This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Football games on Thanksgiving Day have been part of our culture since the game itself evolved in the 19th century. Even before professional football teams locked horns on Turkey Day, we enjoyed watching everything from colleges to high schools to local kids games match up on this holiday. It's a type of sports tradition that silently transpired through the years until it has become synonymous with traditional professional games in cities like Detroit and Dallas. Like turkey and dressing, we have come to expect pro football games on Thanksgiving Day. In this episode of When Football Was Football on the Sports History Network, we'll discover how football grabbed a foothold on Thanksgiving Day in the Chicago area. Long before the National Football League debuted as the American Professional Football Association in 1920, football games were already on the holiday menu. For example, in the years before the NFL, there was something called the Chicago Football League, which consisted of semi-pro teams from around the city. Two of those clubs, the Tornadoes and the Thorns, were both based in the Pullman neighborhood on the city's far south side. Each year, they generously scheduled a game against each other on Thanksgiving Day, beginning in 1914. The games were highly anticipated each November, but that was about as far as the enthusiasm reached. In each of the first five years of the rivalry, the results were less than appetizing. All five games concluded in scoreless ties. In 1917, the Hammond Times in Indiana marked the end of the football season by commenting, Amateur football is gradually coming to its finesse. A harbinger of this announcement of the various games that are booked for Turkey Day. This year is considered by the majority of managers to have lacked nothing in either the interest taken in the gridiron sport or the brand of football displayed. And speaking of Hammond, Indiana, if someone were to ask today, What was the most important early Thanksgiving Day game? There would be one in particular that I would mention that left an impact on professional football like no other. And there are some rather significant reasons for this statement. Let's start with the game played on November 27, 1919 involving the Hammond Bobcats, who were also known as the Hammond All-Stars, and the visiting Canton Bulldogs from Ohio. Hammond was a dream team of sorts with players like George Hallis and Paddy Driscoll in the lineup, while the Canton club starred the immortal Jim Thorpe, who was still in his football prime. Manager Paul Pardon of Hammond was an ambitious promoter who harbored a vision of what pro football could accomplish. Remember, this was still at a time when pro football players were tarnished with the misconception that they were mercenaries playing solely for the money and without the spirit of the college game whatever that means. Pardon actively recruited former All-Americans and paid them a robust $100 per game. Hey, big bucks at that time. In addition, he actively promoted his intention to battle the best teams in the country, and he specifically wanted Jim Thorpe and the Canton Bulldogs. Finally, Pardon deserted Hammond for his home games and instead rented Cubs Park in Chicago, which is now Wrigley Field instead. Two weeks earlier, on November 9th, Hammond and Canton met at Cubs Park in front of 10,000 fans and battled to a 3-3 deadlock. The Hammond Times called the battle the greatest grid contest that Middle Western fandom has ever seen. The owners of the combatants simply saw it as a money-in-the-bank proposition and quickly scheduled a rematch for Thanksgiving Day. 
Despite cold and wet weather, the game attracted 12,000 fans to Cubs Park. And that was an enormous crowd for a pro football game, especially one where there really was no home team. Canton won the second game 7-0 after Hammond's Patty Driscoll fumbled the opening kickoff on his own 14-yard line. Jim Thorpe scored on a six-yard run three plays later for the only score of the day. Once again, both sides were happy with the size of the crowd and the competitive nature of the game. The Hammond Times added, Had the weatherman kept the snow away, the Cubs Park would have been filled to capacity. But even with the cold and the flurries, coming down, the crowd showed lots of enthusiasm. And that last sentence demonstrated why this particular Thanksgiving Day game was so very important to the world of pro football. Considering the weather conditions, a nice crowd still showed up to watch what might be considered two all-star teams composed of former collegiate stars. It signified that there was indeed a future for pro football and that football fans would pay to see this type of attraction. Within a year after this game, the American Professional Football Association was formed, with Decatur and Ken becoming two of the founding members. In that first league year of 1926, games involving APFA clubs were played on Thanksgiving Day, with the biggest game involving the short-lived Chicago Tigers and the Decatur Staleys. Dutch Sternman was the hero for the Staleys as he booted two field goals after a scoreless first half for the 6-0 win. Once again, the field was a mess after wet weather turned the gridiron into a mud bath. However, Sternemann did something a bit unusual that likely had not been done before, before he attempted his game-winning 22-yard drop kick. Well, he simply put on a pair of dry shoes specifically for that kick. The strategy worked, as the Decatur's Herald reported. The Tiger line braced, so Sternemann stepped back and, aided by a change of shoes, scored the first field goal. More importantly, the game drew a nice crowd of 8,000 as the Staleys remained undefeated for the year while the Tigers stumbled to their fifth straight defeat. It would be, unfortunately, the first and last Thanksgiving Day game for the Tigers in their brief NFL tenure, which lasted just a single season. By 1922, the newly renamed Chicago Bears had shed their Decatur affiliation and initiated an annual Thanksgiving Day series with the Chicago Cardinals. This holiday rivalry extended into the 1933 season and provided some unusual thrills for Chicago area fans. Although brief, that short series left us with four of the most interesting games in NFL history. The first holiday encounter between the two city rivals occurred on November 30, 1922 and resulted in a full-scale riot with police intervention. History will tell us that the Cardinals escaped with a 6-0 win on a pair of field goals but the real story involved the Bears' George Hallis and Joey Sternemann, who used a bit too much effort in bringing down Cardinal rusher Patty Driscoll. In other words, they slammed Driscoll to the ground, and Patty popped up swinging. Eventually, all three were ejected as others entered the fray, prompting police on horseback to break up the fisticuffs that waged all over the field, including some from fans who hopped from the bleachers to join the fun. This activity prompted the Chicago Tribune to summarize the game as follows. The Chicago Cardinals carved the Chicago Championship turkey yesterday, gobbled up all the white meat stuffing, and left the Chicago Bears the neck, wing, gizzard, and a bunch of black eyes. After the Cardinals won round one, the Bears evened things up in 1923 by winning 3-0 with a 30-yard field goal by Dutch Sternman. 
It was a game that the Tribune marked as a battle, which was the cleanest plate of the postgraduate season here. Well, clearly the boys had cleaned up their act from the previous season. After the Bears duplicated that win with a 21 to nothing decision in 1924, the table was set for the biggest Thanksgiving Day game in NFL history on November 26, 1925. This game marked the debut of the legendary Red Grange, who joined the Bears immediately after he completed his collegiate career at Illinois. The emergence of Grange helped move the NFL from small local crowds into the mainstream of American sports recognition. Huge crowds topping 70,000 to see Grange in New York and California were on the horizon. But in his first NFL action, Grange faced the Cardinals at Wrigley Field on Thanksgiving Day of 1925. The game was a sellout, which in itself was most unusual for the NFL at the time. The thrill of seeing Grange on the field was offset by the Cardinals doing everything possible to keep the ball out of his hands. In a dreary ground-based game, the Bears managed just two first downs, while the Cardinals accounted for just one during the game. As such, there were punts galore, and with Grange settling in as the Bears' return man, Cardinal punter Patty Driscoll did everything possible to boot the ball away from Grange, thus limiting his touches and earning a chorus of boos from the crowd each time Driscoll punted. The game ended in a scoreless tie, but afterward, Grange was impressed with his first taste of pro football, saying, I never played a more expert team of football players. I never saw a bit of intentional roughness, and I enjoyed my first professional game immensely. Soon thereafter, the Bears and Grange embarked on a pair of barnstorming tours, opening up the professional game and the NFL to the nation. Another scoreless tie between the two Windy City clubs followed in 1926, before the Cardinals upset the Bears 3-0 in 1927. That set up another unusual contest in 1928 when the financially strapped Cardinals signed the aging legend Jim Thorpe for the Turkey Day game against the Bears. By this time, Thorpe was no longer an effective ball player, according to the Associated Press, after the cards were dropped 34-0. The Associated Press said Jim Thorpe, former Carlisle Indian star, played a few minutes for the Cardinals but was unable to get anywhere. 44 years old and muscle-bound, Thorpe was a mere shadow of his former self. But then, a year later on Thanksgiving of 1929, fans were treated to the greatest individual offensive performance in NFL history. It wasn't often that the Cardinals were competitive after the team captured the 1925 championship, but in 1929, new owner Dr. David Jones added former Stanford All-American Ernie Nevers to his team. The sturdy fullback worked behind a talented front line that included future Pro Football Hall of Famer Duke Slater. In a truly dominating performance, never scored all of his team's points in a 40-6 romp over the Bears. He tallied six touchdowns and booted four extra points to accumulate those 40 points, and that total still stands as the NFL record for most points scored by one player in a single game. The Bears won the final four games in the Thanksgiving Day series with the Cardinals, which ended with a 22-6 win on November 30th, 1933 and the two neighborhood rivals would never again meet on Thanksgiving Day. The Bears played the Lions from 1934 through 1938, while the Cardinals played a pair of Thanksgiving Day games with the Packers in 1934 and 1935. While in Chicago, the Cardinals scheduled their final Thanksgiving Day game 
on November 23, 1950, when the Pittsburgh Steelers visited Comiskey Park. According to the media, the Thanksgiving morn encounter started in a mild blizzard, winding up under a bright sun, which failed to hike the sub-20 degree temperatures at Comiskey Park. Only a little over 11,000 people showed up for the game, which ended with the Cardinals on the short end of a 28-17 score. Meanwhile, the Chicago Bears met the Detroit Lions from 1934 through 1938, and then in 47-49. The 34 game with Detroit was also the first one that was a radio broadcast done on Thanksgiving Day. The only Thanksgiving Day game for the Bears in the 1950s occurred on November 27, 1952, when they opposed the Texans in Akron, Ohio. The game itself and the opponent were both unusual and only added to the luster of Chicago Thanksgiving Day game legends. The Texans came into the contest winless, homeless, and nameless. That's right, winless, homeless, and nameless. The team belonged to the league after its owners deserted the club a few weeks before. In addition, the team was not allowed to use the name of its previous city, which was Dallas, nor play any home games in that location. So the game with the Bears was brought to Akron and played at the Rubber Bowl, with the Texans grabbing their first win of the campaign 27-23, but in front of only 2,500 people. Coach Jimmy Phelan of the Texans explained that the victory by stating that his boys were mad and tired of being bounced around while the Chicago Tribune called it one of the biggest upsets in National Football League history. From a near ride in 1922 through a defeat by a homeless team in 1952, the tradition of Thanksgiving Day football games for Chicago teams brought its share of joy, despair, records, and legends. We hope you enjoyed this trip back to the days before turkey fryers, and please join us next time for a look at one of the most powerful high school football programs in the state of Illinois, but one that hasn't won a game in 42 years. Thank you for listening to the Sports History Network, and have a great Thanksgiving. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.